Welcome to The Making of, a Nat Geo podcast. I'm your host, Stacey Wilson-Hunt, and today we're talking with the star of Nat Geo and Disney Plus's breakout hit new series, The World According to Jeff Goldblum. Hello, Jeff. Hi, host Stacey. How are you? <laughs> Thanks so much for doing this. Oh, thank you for being here. Uh, how, how's your life been lately? Wow. Well, um, uh, unusual and uh, uncharted and... Um, you know, uh, 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 amazing, and uh, I'm trying to make it educational and uh, graceful and gracious. You know, a lot of people are suffering mightily, much more than I am myself, but I'm trying to keep that in my heart and my my um, little brain such as it is and uh, do whatever I can. You know, uh, uh, I did something for uh, an L.A. food bank uh, near near us here um, uh, called the uh, uh, L.A. Uh, you go to... Uh, LAfoodbank.org, and mm-hmm. um, we raised money for uh, for those people because during this time, there's a there's a lot more need apparently oh, yes. for food assistance. If you well, can and imagine. people who needed food before this, their needs are only exacerbated now. Oh yeah, there's more than double the number, uh, you know, and it uh, it's just horrible. I've been sort of um, involved in that cause for decades now. Uh, this is, uh, you know, uh, we're in uncharted territory and uh, I'm doing all I can. In the meantime, I'm having s- some wonderful times of uh, extra time with my wife, Emily, and uh, two kids whom you see on, who you see on the show from uh, time to time. Yes, but, they're very uh, Emily, cute. Oh, aren't they mm-hmm. cute? Thank they're you. So yeah, cute. In, <laughs> I know. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, Charlie, he's got a birthday coming up July 4th. Believe Aww. it or not, Independence Day, and uh, he'll be five. And River Joe is uh, just turned April seventh, uh, three years old. Aww. And Emily is the perfect person to be holed up with. You know, she was an <laughs> Olympic, uh, uh, you know, that's right, uh, athlete that. and a Pan American champion. So she's well versed in self discipline and group effort and uh, synergy and global cooperation. And and uh, so I'm a lucky, lucky guy. Well, and it's it's obviously you have built-in gratitude, but also to be able to help a little bit probably sets your mind at ease when you go to sleep each night thinking, I did help. Well, yes. Wasn't it Albert Schweitzer who said uh, the only, I'm paraphrasing, all, the only uh, 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 among you who will truly find satisfaction are those who serve in mm. some way. That's uh, beautiful. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's true. You know, we want our lives to be a contribution in some way to the <laughs> overall. You know. Well, speaking of contributions beyond your amazing philanthropy, Jeff, I know a lot of people are seeking solace in programming, specifically comfort programming. And I would categorize your show, The World According to Jeff Goldblum, as something that's bringing people comfort. It's educational, it's lighthearted, it's fun. But I would love to know, how did the concept of the show develop and how did you become attached to this project? Was this your brainchild? No, I have no. <laughs> my brain has no children uh, that, that, that it knows of, and uh, that's probably a good thing. But uh, <laughs> but let, let's see. I'll give you the whole history of the story. Well, just give me uh, the concise version, just for time. <laughs> yes, yes, good idea. I'm already bored, boring myself with it. With it, but believe me, this will be a helicopter version. Okay, um, good. Here's what happened. I was. Uh, uh, picked to do a few guest hosting duties on uh, the Explorer show, that mm-hmm. Nat Geo show, you know, wonderful show. Uh, some, you know, I don't know where we a couple of years ago, two three years ago, and um, 
And that was it. And I liked it so much, and uh, we kind of hit it off, that after that, they st- we started to talk and said, hey, they said, what if you did a, a show, uh, some, something in the science vein and something in our documentary sweet spot that, uh, that you can uh, host? Uh, and, and we started to talk about it. And I said, well, here's what I, having experienced, uh, uh, you know, Explore, here's, here are the things that uh, I think could be, you know, I could do best. And da-da-da-da. We, I, I said, you know, maybe I could be spontaneous, not doing anything, not do anything too cooked up and uh, pre-planned. And maybe I don't have to pretend to know anything that I don't <laughs> already. And we could uh, have me really caught on camera, surprised by... Um, uh, as much of the goings on as I as I uh, as we can, and mm-hmm. and then just kind of you know uh, extemporize uh, my my thoughts to camera here and there, and you know anyway we did something like that, and then it was a- it was it was after we 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 started to hatch it that the title came up. That was no idea of mine, but well, according to <laughs> that was the marketing Jeff, people, right? <laughs> yeah, something like that. Well, they had a list. We did have a list of names, and you know we went through them, but uh, we finally all. T- you know, settled on the world according to Jeff Goldblum. You ever well, see like, the world according to Garp? I like that Garp? because it, it <laughs> right there are two worlds: Garp and Jeff Goldblum's world. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, but I, you can't I get do those love... mixed up. It's bad, bad if you get them mixed up. <laughs> that's true. And sorry for talking over you. In honor Although of Glenn Allman. Close is in both of them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's true. It all comes back to the Glenn Close connection. That's right. In looking at the subjects that you decided to delve into in season one, we, we have sneakers, ice cream, tattoos, denim, barbecue, gaming, jewelry, cosmetics, pools, coffee, RVs, and bikes. So tell me, what do all of these things, which may seem disparate in nature, what do they all have in common and why did you choose them? I like how you say disparate. I'm always <laughs> a- after the, pr- the, the, the right to the... the, the the good pronunciation. I think I say disparate, but you know, I bet it's just disparate. Good. It's, I'm probably wrong. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think so. I, tr- I, I trust you completely. <laughs> you are a very good student, which we have learned from the show. You're, you're like a sponge. Well, uh, I'm, I'm like some kind of underwater creature, uh, 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 for sure. <laughs> but, um, but I am spongy-like with, um, with learning. I, I, I love the classroom, and, uh, and I think I'm in a growth spurt now whereby having these kids right. uh, makes me extra curious. I was going to ask you that. How, how have, well, first of all, being around them intensely in the last few months, but how have they informed your sense of curiosity? Well... I think they have. It's just rubbed off on me. You know, I see the world through their eyes. I had thought of myself finally as a kind of a happy homebody in some ways and, uh, a, you know, not uncomfortable in my comfort zone in some ways. And, um, and you know, sometimes I thought, well, if I never get to see such and such and such and such, I've still never seen the Grand Canyon, for instance, and all you all kind of places like that. No, believe it or oh not, and goodness. many other places that I'd be you'd be shocked to to realize I hadn't seen. But um, but now with kids, I'm like, yeah. I, I want to go back to the Muir Woods, in fact, and show them, you know, show them that again and see all kinds of things that I've never seen because seeing it through their eyes and exposing them to giving them a nutritious life, you know, right. with uh, with uh, exposed to the, 
interesting things in the world, um, it, it appeals to me terrifically. So, that. so that has been sharpened for me. And then just being around them, like I say, they, they rub off on me. And they are, of course, as you know, I guess all <laughs> kids are, just curious creatures and just interested and spectacularly present mm. and um, uh, receptive and uh, <laughs> everything. They're all, they're kind of like on some kind of psychedelic uh, adventure, really. <laughs> Natural psychedelia, uh, I, right? So I do want to I do want you to tell me how you how you chose the subject areas for season one. Yes. So the we chose the subject. We started to talk with those uh, lovely people from Nat Geo. They're so smart, and I think we started after you know just. Uh, jawboning a little bit, said, um, what if they were things that were familiar and things that people generally or in large um, ways adored uh, and that maybe even connected people in ways and, and you know, um, reveal, uh, uncover, and excavate some uh, smart, interesting science uh, around them and history around them and uh, and all of that, and that's how we did it. And then we st- we came up with lists, and they started to. Uh, they were very generous and collaborative. Started to pass many by uh, all of us, and um, and I finally was. Some of them uh, I have, you know, I'm fervently ecstatic about already. Some of them, as you know, if you watched some of this, I- I'm sort of a fish out of water and mm. uh, a stranger in a strange land. And both were uh, were uh, interesting to me to sort of uh, do, you know, do scenes in that vein. Um, and, um, and then s- some of them had became like landmark little Jungian um, objects that I thought could trigger uh, something autobiographical and my own inner adventure, hmm. uh, and 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 I was happy to allow them to do that too. I like mm-hmm. that, especially the sneakers episode. We get to have some background on your uncle, who was a basketball player, and that was really special. Isn't that amazing? I was touched by it. I, I was I'm touched by many of the episodes, but yeah, they became kind of personal odysseys for me, and to revisit my uncle's story and his life. And even, you know, it's not, I don't think coincidental that since then, uh, I've done more, I've gotten more interested in and done more research about him and uh, other things because there again, having kids, well, Charlie is, maybe I mentioned it in the show, is named after Chucky. You know, we're, we're, we're allowed to do sort of a variation Mm-hmm. Of a of a name, so ch ch the Chucky became Charlie, <laughs> and so it's his namesake. I think is the way is is the oh, right uh, word for it. And uh, so and and now when I see these boys, I used to go, uh, I don't keep memorabilia, I don't keep photographs, I don't want to know much about my, I don't I don't mind being unmoored from my past <laughs> and my heritage. But now because of the kids, I'm going, well, wait a minute. Hmm. They may be interested, and this may be something that I, I could uh, gift them with that could be useful, you know, oh, that's all, great. all that stuff. I yeah. like that. Well, another thing I love about the show is that there's so much room for these gold bloom moments, and I loved how the New York Times <laughs> described these moments. Here's what they said. Uh-oh. The, <laughs> the ticks and hesitations, a mincing, praying mantis carriage, and distinctive arch naivete and sly hipsterism. That's how they described you. Wow. <laughs> Does they're, that sound right? That's, well, we, we, there's much to unpack, as they say these days, about that. But overall, 
<laughs> sounds uh, sounds uh, some, somewhat backhanded, but if I, if I uh, <laughs> jettison my uh, hypersensitivity, I think it's uh, all to the good. <laughs> I think it is. I think what they're they're getting to, and which is what makes the show great, is that self-discovery, those moments of actual discovery and epiphany that we see unfold on your face. Yeah. So I'm wondering how much leeway do you build into each episode for those moments and how much is planned? Because you do have to have a structure as well. So tell yeah. me about balancing those two. Here's what ha happens. We, after, you know, sort of talking about it and figuring out what would be best, we came up with a a kind of an approach which we stuck with. We learned as we went along, but we really stuck with the... Uh, the approach from the start, whereby they, uh, um, from Nat Geo, are very smart and thorough researchers and top-notch documentarians, and they would say, hey, here's some questions about this thing that we're thinking of doing or that we've decided upon, bikes, and yeah, just give me all your thoughts about bikes, or here's some, some you know, trigger triggering questions, and, and I would sit right here in this room, as a matter of fact, on my <laughs> phone, and and start yakking just to oh, myself, okay. as mad as that sounds. But I'd go on for, you know, sometimes an hour or so <laughs> and then send it to them. So uh, you'd record little notes for your musings, Yes, and they'd take that, and then they would come up with a structure of some kind and devise a kind of a, what is it, three or four segments, whatever we mm -hmm. finally had, um, uh, where there were some... Goldblumian, I guess uh, <laughs> they might have said, you know, left turns and unexpected, mm -hmm. um, you know, ways to go instead of, you know, just, oh, here's what everybody covers, you know. Um, uh, and, and, and then, of course, they would so-called cast, they even say that in the documentary world, cast these people who they would find, who they would think uh, who they thought were the best uh, people that, that I could uh, have encounters mm. with. And only when they turned on the juice and, and put on the camera did I actually meet them. And then go into these places, as you see sometimes me saying, geez, this is me looking at this for the first time. Wow, oh, my God, God, God. you know, whatever, I, whatever I'm doing. <laughs> so you didn't have to act in those moments. Those were genuine moments. The less acting, the better. I, <laughs> I, 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 I've devoted my life to acting, but right. I love not to act, too. Yeah. So on that front, in terms of your training as an actor, actors have to rely on scripts and directors and people guiding their artistry. What's been the most difficult part of hosting this show without the aid of a script? Well, well... Uh, I, there's, there's so much that's good. I do like, uh, even though, you know, I've taught acting for a couple of decades and I, I emphasize the need to, you know, um, create the illusion of the first time when you're doing David Mamet or working with Wes Anderson. Mm -hmm. I've sort of, you know, having, I have this band and I do these live shows and I'll tell you over the last 30 years doing that, we play music, but I do a lot of talking too. And everything that I talk about is, um, uh, uncharted, and I have no preparation with it whatsoever. <laughs> now, your question is, what is challenging about it? Well, I'll tell you. To um, you know, to 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 rattle on, especially in documentary making, you know, there's no waiting around. We don't have to paint with the uh, camera and the and the light, and we can just uh, yak all day. And I do, so I go on and on and on, and and I trust them. And in fact, they go off and make it uh, coherent in their cutting, but. Uh, as we went on, we realized to make something not only unexpected and a little, little unusual, um, but intellectually nourishing. Mm. 
And and so we started to want to, and I started to have particularly a hankering to, um, you know, plan in such a way where, and help me out in such a way, or 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 work on it in such a way where finally a bigger idea with these things, besides being interesting and, you know, surprising and kind of fun, uh, could emerge. And we, we, we tried to start to do it. And if we do more in the second year, which I uh, dearly hope we do, we're particularly interested in um, making it a little um, more enlightening and uh, provocative. But parenthetically, during the first <laughs> shooting of the season, um, Yuval Harari uh, I became aware of, and I gobbled up his three books, uh, Sapiens and Homo Deus and 21 Lessons for the 21st Century, because I, I found a lot of those um, relevant uh, and interesting uh, in in terms of what we were doing. And so not only that, but uh, this year I've been talking to a uh, and getting help from uh, a wonderful friend named Kurt Anderson. I'm sure you know him. He wrote mm-hmm. Fantasyland and many other things. And he's a big thinker and uh, really, really smart and and enjoyable. And, uh, you know, so some of these topics may be hopefully broadened. And um, we, we try to do that in the first season, but more and more. That's what I'd, I'd love to do. I'd love to play a clip from an episode in season one. And this is the tattoo episode which was filmed inside a tattoo convention in your hometown of Pittsburgh. And I would say that the cult of Jeff Goldblum has never been on more display than inside this room. So let's take a listen. Mr. Blobner. May I call you Mr. Blobner? It's technically Dr. Blobner. <laughs> Dr. Blobner. I'm so sorry. Why'd you want to get my glasses and the dinosaur? It, it seems like a fun idea. I think it is a fun idea. I like it. And you know what? I have a proposition hmm. how would you feel if I myself took the tool and contributed in some minimal way absolutely go for it really yeah <laughs> would you like the idea yeah. yeah really yeah how did it feel to see your image emblazoned on his body <laughs> well <laughs> uh, very uh, very uh uh funny and trippy and uh it's not that I, as though i hadn't seen it before you know i play these gigs or i but people come up to me i've seen a bunch of people have you know for one reason or another crazy yes. as it may seem uh <laughs> some kind of uh uh you know a replica of uh, of me but you know i we were at a, a during that episode we were at a we were at a convention. This was this tattoo parlor uh, that I didn't know about that I guess, as you see in the episode, once a year now, they have Jeff Goldblum Day where you come in and that's oh, all yes. they do is yeah. Jeff Goldblum <laughs> tattoos. So that was crazy. Well, it's very flattering and uh, humbling and uh, and uh, amazing, uh, it's, certainly. It's and sort of, in fact, y- I'd never done, you know, as as you see in that episode, I'd never done anything like that. That was. Were you scared? Oh, yes. I was I was uh, sobered up and uh, uh, alerted every, every molecule in my my body was, uh, you know, wanted to do the right thing because I, I, I don't know that anybody knows this about me. I don't know if I've ever said it, but I'm, I could be described as squeamish. Really? My, yes. Yes. My own blood. I was, when somebody takes my own blood and I get shots and stuff, I, I have to look away. Me too. I really don't want to look at my arm. Uh, I don't like needles. I don't like that. Can I give you a tip? 
Can I give you a yes. tip as someone who faints when her blood is taken? Lay yes. down. Lay down. Really? Okay. Huge. Life-changing. So make sure to lay down. They can easily take your blood, and then you'll feel much less faint. So, hey, I knew there was a reason I was talking to you. That's, <laughs> if I come away with nothing else, that's a good tip. Yeah, I get queasy. The other day, my son Charlie was he was helping because he loves to help in in those cycles. Sometimes he just likes to destroy everything, but then sometimes he likes to help. He's very sweet and helpful, and he was cutting vegetables. Oh no! And she had some kind of French knife. Later, I said, I don't know if that's a good idea. Give him a butter knife at the most at this point. Come on, come on. Uh, no, she she gave him some kind of thing, and he got a cut. He cut his oh, finger, no. and. It was bleeding, and I'm telling you, I I feel it more than it than it's if it's my own. It was oh, I, all, I got watch. I got woozy. It's hard to watch. <laughs> well, uh, in in any case, when it's something that happens, definitely lay down. So that's my medical advice. <laughs> okay, good. Even I'm getting emotional during this talk. I may start to lie down during our, our talk. The microphone <laughs> we, can work just as well. <laughs> So the, what, the, one of the reasons I love the tattoo episode is that it really does speak to how much people love you. And you're very humble and you would never go around talking about, talking about how much people love you. But I did want to know how many other and what type of fan interactions did you have during this process? Because it's hard for you to blend in. You're tall. You have a very iconic style, those glasses. It's not exactly like you can put on a hat and a wig and walk into a place. No, I'm like <laughs> so what a was parade that like float. I'm, 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 I'm like, I'm conspicuous. Um, <laughs> well, people are very nice. And, uh, you know, they, it's, it's, I have nice encounters all the time and they're, they're very delightful. I'm happy to take pictures with people and, and have encounters with people. Um, I'm, uh, you know, I think it has something to do with my, with my acting teacher, Sandy Meisner. I sort of have, have adopted some of this in my real life, which mm. is that you're interesting to the extent that you're interested. Mm. Uh, and I um, and I think I've stayed, it's kind of a cornerstone of some, some of the technology of how you, you know, take the attention off yourself when you're acting that naturally makes you kind of, you know, you know, lock up sometimes. So it's very freeing to be interested in other people and people, are uh, more and more, as we find out, are infinitely mysterious and um, lovely, potentially, and um, interesting. Well, and that's, I think that's actually pretty rare. So count yourself uh, rare in that sense. <laughs> so I would like to play another clip from an, uh, another episode I enjoyed very much about denim and its unifying uh, capabilities among disparate groups. There's your favorite word, disparate. So let's listen to a clip from the denim episode. Jeans seems to be the uniform of everybody. So maybe we're trying to figure out what the big appeal is. One thing that everybody has in common is denim. Isn't that interesting? The denim, the reason that it, it uh, became so iconic for us here we could go to a country western bar and get to dance, yeah. line dancing, yeah. whether we're from the LGBT community or yeah. a straight community, yeah. and you can feel comfortable. And the uniform was the jeans. So the reason I love this particular scene is the inclusivity of denim in terms of it's not something for elite people, it's not something for workers, it's actually this incredible creation that unifies people. So what did you learn about denim that surprised you in this episode? Well, that sure was was um, one of the things. I mean, I, I guess I could have 
imagined it before, but really seeing, you know, I love that uh, little bar we were in in Texas, and I, mm-hmm. I showed off my dance my dance uh, <laughs> skills. I was able to pick that routine up pretty quickly. You, you are not they bad, were, I have to say. Ew, thank you, thank you. <laughs> but I love that uh, music. I like the little hat that we got for me that day, <laughs> and uh, and uh, and they were great. I loved those uh, those people, those guys in that uh, bar. They were lovely and. Um, and imagine that denim is a unifier and democratizing, you know, for people of all all different kinds. But besides that, that denim episode was interesting to me. Particularly every every turn, twist and turn that we took. Um, but particularly now that I'm thinking back on it, when we visited the Levi store in um, in San Francisco, I think it it was, and they showed us all the new techniques and technology that they're using in order to counteract the um, the effects that a proliferation of denim and denim dyeing can have on the worldwide waterways. But, you know, there are good people all over the place and well-intentioned people who are uh, using science and the best and the brightest minds to, uh, to uh, get ourselves going in the right direction. So there's a version of denim that can be more sustainable as you know, the earth becomes more sensitive to these processes. Yes, exactly. There is. And we put our hopes and support behind them. Yes. For sure. So yeah. speaking of denim, yeah. you are known to be very stylish. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you do have a red, I mean, anyone who works with Wes Anderson that often, you have to be very stylish. Come on. Well, he is the, <laughs> I sit at his feet. He's the master of style and he's many other things. He's a, he's a cinema genius and uh, a real, a uh, unique artist, but uh, and a wonderful person to hang around with. But boy, the way he dresses himself and all his characters—oh, yes. he's got a vision, a uh, an aesthetic <laughs> vision, which is uh, uh, unmatched. He does, and I wanted to know how have you been able to maintain your sense of style in quarantine, and are you trying to maintain said sense of style? Well, even as uh, people may not know, I'm able to see you. We're zooming as we, even though you're not going to benefit from this, where you're hearing what we're talking about. But we, I see Stacy, and she sees mm-hmm. me. And I didn't know if, and I checked with her to to uh, uh, to 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 know that this would not be really seen. And if I were going to be seen, mm-hmm. I might have worn some, except my this just little black T-shirt that I've had on. For it the is last a stylish black T-shirt, though. Don't discount that. Yeah. Well, I've always I think the right T-shirt for me to to really hit you know hit the hit the bullseye has been a holy grail, and I've uh, uh, you know gotten many, given away many, and uh, with the help of my stylist Andrew Vitero, uh, we've hit upon something. This current one, what is this? I think this is a simple, humble Calvin Klein one that I get, and I just I have a few black and a few white, and that's kind of what we have at this point. Um, it's a good but, uniform. But yeah, no, uh, around the house, I have I have things that I reach for that are comfortable that are still within my. I've tried to prune everything. I'm a, I'm nothing if not uh, a minimalist, so I've tried to mm. prune everything that I don't feel excellent about out of my collection. And here's what I do, uh, as long as you're asking. Um, I am. I I do some cardio. We've got a couple of treadmills, so Emily and I can be on treadmills at the same time. Oh, that's nice. But anyway, we do some of that cardio, and then we've got, you know, some a nice weight rack and some, you know, enough to get a good full body resistance, uh, you know, a little cycle. And that's what I do. 
That's yeah. great. And it's then good. every morning, I do that every morning when I get up in the first thing in the morning and I do a little meditation and I do that. And then I go down to my piano and do my workload, my homework load and get through that. Um, and I love that. And then I do my acting. Right now I'm working on Jurassic World. Dominion. Are you really? Yes, I am, because they've wow. given us the script. In fact, a new script just came yesterday. There was a oh, new rewrite with a lot of new things for me, and I've been spending hours and hours and hours, as a matter of fact, right here in this room, um, writing down the lines and learning the lines and examining the new script and the new ideas, and I'm pretty soon going to get on a call with Colin Trevorrow, who's going to mm -hmm. um, uh, direct it, and we'll go over everything. I, I love this part of it, so I'm, I'm uh, creatively nourished during this part, and in fact, Listen to this. In what time is it now? It's like two two thirty or something as mm -hmm. we speak. Two o'clock or two thirty at four thirty. Uh, we've got a Zoom call with get this. If it's not too name droppy, um, Sam Neill and Laura Dern and oh uh, Bryce Dallas Howard and uh, Chris uh, Chris Pratt. Where the, the the main you know some of the cast is going to uh, Zoom ourselves wow. together. We, we did it once before, not with all of us, but uh, I'm going to do it in about an hour or so just to catch up and stay in touch. Any, yeah. any velociraptors joining in or they, they don't have Zoom? I hope not. I hope they, they're very smart, as we know. Clever girl. <laughs> very Somebody smart. says yes in the, in the first one, but, you know, let's hope you... So do you have any favorite moments from the show or those that were most meaningful to you? Well, you know, I, I you know, I've I've talked too too many times about the pools episode where not only with the, the ladies who do um uh, aquatic ballet that, that mm -hmm. was thrilling and kind of moving for me to be part of, but uh but that that NASA operation down there oh, in Houston. Yeah. And then I really talked off screen, actually, to a couple other astronauts. Uh, it was an amazing day. It was really eye-opening. In fact, I talked to one astronaut's wife, who happened to be there, who said, "Hey, my husband's a fan. Can he call you? He was current. He's currently. He was currently up in the space station." Oh my and somehow technologically, he called me on my cell phone. It was a perfect connection. We had a little chat. And then she told me an amazing story of this was the second time that he's, he's been launched up there. The first time they had a, a, an accident, some sort of mishap on takeoff. And oh there gosh. was some kind of explosion. And they, I didn't know about this, they got out in a kind of a, you know, life raft pod kind of affair, but it was some minutes before they knew what would ha what happened and some time before they knew if this little more risky way of re-entering got back and all that. And they had a couple of young boys in their teens, young teens who were watching at the time. And she was telling me this and I was... Um, crying like a baby. I mean, it was very, very touching. But anyway, she said, he went up again. The boys didn't watch the takeoff this time, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So wow. it's stuff like that. And, and and during that day, I talked to another astronaut who who uh, came back. He said he'd been up there for some months. And he said, all the, let me tell you something, Jeff Goldblum, all the astronauts who have been up there for that length of time come back. None of the women, just the men, have something going on in their right eye, not, never the left, but just the right eye, where it, there's some kind of wavy abnormality, and they're learning about it. And he wow. feels sure that they'll learn all sorts of things that'll impact our knowledge of uh, us and uh, the body and what's been going on, like we always do with 
adventure, just like uh, sailors did when they found out about uh, vitamins and scurvy and, and <laughs> right. uh, citrus fruit and all that. Yeah. Isn't wow. that interesting? That is yeah, fascinating. I, I thought so. And the only other thing I was going to mention is in the same vein as the environmentally and, uh, you know, uh, conscious ra raising, consciousness raising, uh, uh, experience. I had uh, another thing with that um, barbecue episode where we um, went to that farm, that cricket farm in Austin, Texas, where they right. were growing crickets as an alternative to protein cons meat protein consumption. And then we barbecued some and I ate some crickets and, and that was <laughs> kind of thrilling and, and uh, <laughs> lovely to do. So tell us what you can about the second season of The World According to Jeff Goldblum. Are you in the stages of choosing the subject areas you'd like to explore? Tell us where you are. Let me let me see what I can tell you about the second season because I think I don't know I should have checked I think uh, the powers that be want to keep things mysterious sure. and a little secret but I can tell you that we're it's a little bit it's gone back to being a little bit wet clay anyway because we'd come up with some ideas but like much of the world and the creative world I think because of what we're going through it may course uh impact impact mm. the, the, the course um are you thinking because season one focused more on what i would call kind of novelty subjects you'd want to segue to more maybe phil philosophical or religion or something that have like bigger meaning impact yes yes well like i say we're trying to you know from extrapolate from the trivial or the mundane uh, like ice cream or jeans or something into something hopefully more and more larger like i say and and um um interesting and cosmic uh, mm. but um and possibly philosophical but uh, besides being autobiographical and uh, quirky but we had started and we're almost finished with the first episode which was about fireworks oh that's a good one Fireworks, yeah, it was good, and we took some some turns. I shouldn't tell you this either, but we not only saw what you can imagine, which is guy, you know, the people who the families, which I didn't know, who you know, uh, in America, cook up these things and you know do state of the art displays and this and that. But we also went to the states where they sold them. Uh, legally, you know, where sometimes, you know, you, you can't get a bunch of these things. We saw people going around these aisles and we visited with some people who were trying to get some stuff to set them off in their backyard. And then I was, oh, yeah. I had a little backyard, you know, a display, but also I met an astronaut, believe it or not, uh, wow. if you can imagine the connection who had been up in space, seen the stars a little closer than, uh, we've gotten to them, you and I, and, um, and seen earth, of course, from that, uh, famous distance, and uh, had uh, you know all sorts of feelings and uh, words of wisdom and um, nuggets about um, our our planet and our solar system and the universe. And then we went to I'm telling you too much now, but then we went to <laughs> some stargazers, some professional stargazers who had um, moved to the darkest community neighborhood in America, at least, where they could see stars at night. Wow. So they could nightly, and with their great big backyard telescopes, gaze at the stars because we made a connection and we said, I think maybe fireworks are enjoyed partly and by some uh, who feel, you know, some kind of, you know, re-dramatization of mm -hmm. what's going on around us. Hmm. Uh, you know, so we started to talk about that uh, and all. And we weren't finished with it. There was more to do, but uh, I, I thought it was pretty interesting. 
Well, and they may take on extra new meaning this summer with just as a way to, you know, something for us all to enjoy at the same time. So the last question I'd like to ask you, and you touched on this a little bit earlier about how your children have kept your sense of curiosity alive. What advice do you have for people who are feeling the opposite of curious? We're tired of looking at the same four walls. We're tired of eating the same foods. (laughs) We're tired of seeing our spouse's faces and our children's faces where novelty is a thing of the past, it may seem. But what is what is the secret to staying curious during such a hard time? Well, I have no secret, re- really, but or no advice. Who am I to give advice? But oh, you're great. I tell you're, you, you have an expertise in curiosity. Well, well, that was a that was my beginning. I was about to launch into <laughs> <laughs> something uh, very boring. So here I go. Um, I was going to say that yes, I, I I'm a kind of a lifelong uh, aspirant, if that's the right word, of um, how to. Like I say, not only in my acting life, be present and interested um, and fully alive uh, and fully open, not only in the forthcoming outgoing way and to sort of, you know, release, reveal and uh, express everything that's in me, (laughs) Uh, but but be um, simultaneously receptive to everything around me and pay attention. And I, and so I've made a little bit of a lifelong, you know, uh, devotion to, uh, that, that kind of endeavor. And, um, and from people who, from wise people, we know that every moment is different and new. I mean, it really is. And it's potentially different and new. And if you're just, to, you, you want to get over your addiction to more, more, more stimulation. Mm. And so less is sometimes a wonderful kind of meditation on how an apple really tastes. And like mm. I say, I see these kids, part of your question was to, to watch them eat a raspberry for the first time <laughs> and to crush the whole thing in their fingers slowly and to look at it makes you look at it again and go, wow, I've been popping these in my mouth, you know, for however, and you know, they keep me going, but my gosh, look at the raspberry (laughs) or any other thing that you may be eating. And oh my gosh, it's within that is a world of, you know, uh, you know, a whole cosmic trip. I'm, I'm sure of it. There's just too much to explore in life. And in fact, in that same vein, every lucky, grr, you know, privileged breath that we take, and of mm. course now with our healthy lungs, if you've got them, to do that, and to do that, my gosh, if you need more entertainment than that, <laughs> really, <laughs> there's something that you need to keep exploring, because mm. that in itself is just infinitely entertaining and miraculous. I mean, there, there I go. Stop me there before I, <laughs> before I go on too much, before I wax idiotic, but there you go. I love that. That is a, the perfect way to end this conversation, which has been so lovely. Thank you, Jeff, for joining me today to talk about your wonderful series. Stacy Wilson-Hunt, thank you so much, and thanks to all your listeners. I really appreciate it. I really do. For more information on The World According to Jeff Goldblum and all of National Geographic's 2020 Emmy contenders, please visit natgeotv.com FYC. I'm Stacey Wilson-Hunt. Thank you so much for listening. The Making of, a Nat Geo podcast, is a National Geographic production. Executive produced by Stephanie Montgomery and Chris Alpert. 
hosted by Stacey Wilson-Hunt, written and produced by Dave Beesing, Ted Woods, Jason Jackson, Kevin Horton, and Stacey Wilson-Hunt, production coordinator Juliana Parisi, and in association with Benstown, McVeigh Media, and Sound That Brands.